Welcome to Digital Families, everybody. I am today having a chat with the wonderful Jordan Forster, who is in Perth. Uh, Jordan is a clinical psychologist and she's the founder of Why Safe. And now that's spelt for you. Why, as in yes, <laughs> or youth. Is that youth? Yeah, it was, ah, it was youth. And then it, a lot of people interpret it as cyber or Gen Y. It's, it's up to interpretation. So it's Why Safe. A now nationally adopted household name in the field of cyber safety. Jordan has extensive clinical expertise in working with children and adolescents managing problematic technology use, including cyberbullying, image-based abuse, and compulsive gaming. And all of those things, Jordan, are a big concern for parents at the moment with the Safety Commissioner announcing that they're getting more and more reports of those things to their offices um, during this particular time of the pandemic. So um, given that that's going on, what have you been seeing in your practice uh, with this excessive use of dig digital technology at the moment, how is it impacting your work at the moment, Jordan? It's quite significant. I don't think I've ever faced such a climate where parents have shown so much interest in cyber safety. There's always been this idea that cyber safety is important, but I don't think parents have really taken it that seriously. I think a lot mm. of parents hope for the best, but mm. don't necessarily take steps to safeguard devices or platforms just because they feel like it's too overwhelming of a task. Yeah. And we are often engaged by schools to push cyber safety because schools have always known how important it is. But this is really different for us in that parents are the ones who are saying, what are we supposed to do? So they're really ready for action in a way that I've never seen before, which mm -hmm. is really positive and remarkable. It would have been nice if it happened a little while ago, but, you know, we're here now and that's okay. But the amount of parent engagement is really significant, um, which is I good. Think, I think also what I'm seeing is there is a convenience factor there for parents too. So for parents, it's always been difficult to attend face-to-face -face educational uh, presentations on cyber safety because of all the other factors of things going on in their lives. And I think whilst they are also getting quite used to using the technology, um, video chat and all that kind of stuff, um, it's easier for them to find that half hour or that hour to sit down and actually learn about this stuff. And, and you're right, I think they're feeling um, compelled to have to do that now because they're trying to manage it all, aren't they? Yeah, exactly right. The convenience is there, the, the, just the location or having a run in the household. But I don't think parents have ever actually seen it happening in real time. You know, the amount of time that young people spend online, even though that has obviously increased exponentially since online learning, but also just accessing games and social media apps that are not on task. They've never actually seen it. And now they're actually in the household and seeing these types of behaviours and therefore it's really prompted parents to consider, okay, well, how do I mitigate this risk? My child is supposed to be learning inside the classroom at the moment but I can see them there doing funny dances and realizing that they're actually doing a TikTok rather than actually doing something on task and then that's prompting the next question of what is that what is TikTok where is that going who are you posting that to so I think the general location is prompting conversations that have never had 
happened before, which is wonderful. Um, but my, my feeling at the moment is that parents are more interested in device safety and social media safety more than they've ever been before. Parents to me have always worried about broader topics like cyberbullying or online predators or sexting, but they've thought about it from a very, very broad perspective. Whereas now I'm finding that parents are actually quite interested in the details of how do you set up devices to be safe? What are parental control tools? What does that app actually, who's the audience on that app? What is TikTok? What is um, Hangouts or whatever app that child is actually using? There's a, there's a detailed interest there, which is new and really important. I think also what I'm seeing is that carries on to their own use as well. So they're very is interested in, for instance, Zoom, which is what we're using today mm. because of all the publicity around uh, the privacy breaches through Zoom and people getting Zoom bombed and all that kind of stuff. They're experiencing mm. those things themselves as well. So yeah. they also want to know about that. So I've noticed with anything I share that's to do with um, house party or Zoom or something, <laughs> they're very popular as far as people sharing those things on. Yeah, absolutely. And same, you're exactly right. We've found a lot with house party, the amount of questions that we've got in about, is that safe? What does it mean? What, how does it work? And things like that. Yeah, um, parents getting on TikTok has been really amazing. Yeah, there's been um, a lot of adults on TikTok. It's really ramped it up. Of, yeah, mm. and, and a lot of kids are getting their parents to be featured in TikTok videos, which I think that that inclusiveness is fantastic. Mm. Um, but it still prompts parents to think about where is this going and, and, you know, who's seeing this? And then also the amount of questions that we've got about privacy concerns with things like TikTok, as I'm sure you know, with the Chinese government and, mm. and data and privacy issues over there, parents are actually asking the question, well, where are these videos going and, and what's happening with my data and that kind of thing. And those questions typically for us are really rare. Parents are sort of less concerned with privacy and more concerned with bullying. Um, so it's really broadened awareness, which I think is great. I think they're just spending a lot more time on technology at the moment as well. So mm -hmm. they're particularly focused on that. Um, with the reports that the Safety Commissioner released um, last week about the amount of reports that they're getting of cyberbullying, mm -hmm. what are you hearing from, from your experience over there as to why that's happening, how and how that's happening? Are you hearing any reports that, that tell you that you know, give you some answers about what's going on there? Is it just because kids are spending so much more time well, online that you think that that's happening? You know, the researcher in me is really interested in these statistics because it really prompts the question as to why. Because part of it could be that young people are spending more time online and therefore the communications online are not always appropriate and sometimes they can be quite harmful, which is then causing an increase in cyber bullying and trolling. That makes sense. And I think that that would contribute partly to it. However, I believe as well in that the awareness about the reporting tools has been underrepresented. And now that parents are actually engaging with kids about their online activities, and is actually prompting them to look into cyber safety more, that the awareness about the reporting tool has increased. And therefore that also might be contributing to why they're seeing more reports. So the, the researcher in me says, just because there's more reports doesn't mean there's been an increase in bullying. 
I would say that there's a number of factors as to why they're seeing that. Um, awareness, I th certainly think that because of online activity um, and online presence that they would be more cyberbullying. And I think the third, the third factor that would contribute to that is the fact that there's more primary age children using social media platforms at the moment than what we would have previously seen because parents are encouraging them to connect with um, young people. In Australia, when you look at the data about cyberbullying, particularly in relation to games, we actually see that 11-year-olds are cyberbullied the most out of any other um, age bracket. That's mm. not necessarily by peers or friends. It could be anyone. It could be trolling on game platforms by people that they don't know. But if we're seeing an increased rate of younger children online, that could also contribute to those statistics. So I think those three factors would be influencing those increased reporting. And also the fact that they're not actually uh, together in real life. So they're online to communicate and to socialise um, all the time. There's probably quite a few bored kids out there <laughs> getting up to all kinds of mischief. Oh, absolutely. Uh, and absolutely. One, of the, one of the big problems, I guess, that we have for parents is, is managing all of that plus their their uh, time at home with whatever they're doing, whether it's running a business um, or, or trying to keep their kids connected. So a lot of questions that I get from parents is, okay, so I, I'm worried about them using this platform and this platform and this platform, but p particularly for younger kids that are under, those under the age of 13, when typically mm -hmm. is when we recommend that, you know, parents hold off for using certain things. The question is, what, should they be using to connect with? What What are you seeing over, over there um, in your area as far as um, has has use really changed from different, you know, across different platforms for younger kids? Um, and if a parent did ask you that, what would you recommend? Yeah, I think that in terms of primary age children, a lot of parents are allowing their kids to use platforms that they historically might not have, or at least they wouldn't have known about. So the younger kids are using house party when that is, it's not age appropriate for primary age children. They could be using Zoom or they could be using even something like Instagram to connect with family. Some people are very steadfast on the age restrictions and other cyber safety experts are not. And I think you have to think about why that they're there. I don't ever think that a parent should allow a child to use something under their age recommendation or restriction if the parent themselves don't know anything about the platform. So, for mm -hmm. example, with Instagram, a lot of parents just assume that it's photo sharing and if privacy settings are turned on, then Instagram is safe for young kids. But you're not actually considering the content on something like Instagram where there's a lot of pornographic content on Instagram. There's a lot of self-harming type content, drug use. And so your child is going to be exposed to that type of content, even if their privacy settings are turned on. The parent doesn't know that they shouldn't be allowed or allowing their child to use a platform. In saying that, I find myself being a little bit more lax on the restrictions necessarily and more about safe practices. I come from a risk management perspective. And so what I would suggest is that kids need to have that technology time. They need to see their friends. They need to connect. It's really important for their mental health. So if parents are going to allow their children to use a certain app, I would recommend setting up a family account. So something like the parent has set it up with their email address and their credentials, and then they decide when their child is going to engage and use that app. But it comes from not their child setting up an account and having this jurisdiction over this account. It's that the parents are allowing the child to use or access their account 
and you need to know what the app is. So House Party, for example, mm. it's not a safe app for young children, largely because the privacy settings, although you can lock rooms and things like that, unless a parent is actually supervising face-to-face -face and having a look, it's really difficult to actually adopt protocols within an app like that. Um, however, if a parent is sitting in the room with a child whilst and watching whilst they're talking, then it actually might be okay. So settings should never be done in replacement for supervision. That would mm. be uh, essentially my advice. And use tools like we have put up recommendations on our Facebook page for certain age groups. I know that you have. So following cyber safety experts that parents trust and asking them for information, I think is absolutely essential. It's not that parents have to make all these decisions by themselves, but they should be using credible resources and people who have information on this to decide what platforms they should be using. And that information is out there. Yeah, and I agree with you about the content. And I think the main reason that parents don't know about content on any on a lot of different apps, including online gaming, is because they don't use it like a child. So even mm. if a parent has got Instagram and uses it quite a lot, and you would have this experience as well when you talk to parents and you point out some of the things that are on uh, Instagram or Facebook or whatever it might be, mm -hmm. you'll often hear parents saying, I had no idea. And of course they wouldn't because they're not looking for that stuff. They're not sharing yeah. that stuff. They're not going into the deep corners that a child might actually be led down. Mm -hmm. And that's that's um, part of what they, they don't know. Mm. So if there's any... If, from my perspective, if there's absolutely any risk that your child is going to be... Um, irreparably harmed on a platform by being exposed to something absolutely dreadful, then it's mm -hmm. not worth the risk either way. Because a child yeah, can, even if they're not looking for it, a child can share it with them and mm -hmm. it's just not worth the risk because the the consequences of that that I've seen with families that I've helped is, is irreparable. It's absolutely mm -hmm. horrific. So parents do need to do that side-by-side -side supervision with their kids. And I think a mm -hmm. lot of parents find that really hard because for them, having a child on a digital device is time out yeah. for the parent. It is, it is. And that's the world that, that we're living in. I think, Leonie, it brings up a really important point, what you've just mentioned, is that parents think that they've jumped on Instagram or they've jumped on their own TikTok account and therefore what they've seen is it seems innocuous, it seems okay. But what parents forget is that most social media platforms are, have algorithms for curated content, which means that as adults, these social media platforms like Instagram or Facebook will share with us information that it thinks that we're going to like, not only based on our activity, but based on what our friends are doing who are in our sort of demographic. And so when kids are using TikTok, TikTok is very much about curated content. So if you watch a video for more than three seconds, TikTok thinks, okay, you like this type of video. And so it's going to feed you more of that content. And it also feeds you similar content to what your peers are looking at. So if I have a 14 year old child, for example, who it's very likely that therefore to my 14 year old friends or their 14 year old friends are going to be looking at content that might be inappropriate. But even if my child is the best child in the world, what their friends are doing is going to influence what my child sees as well. And so parents sort of are really have sort of blinders on thinking about, oh, my child wouldn't see anything like that. They wouldn't look up content like that. Well, they actually might be exposed to it anyway. Uh, and so that's something that we need to think about. And with, with teenagers, that's where we have conversations about it. But with primary age children, that's where it becomes really problematic is, like you said, the trauma that comes from that. And 
And that's what I find, particularly working uh, in therapy with what I do specifically, I see a lot of kids and teenagers who have been exposed to inappropriate content, who have been really horrifically cyberbullied, who have excessive screen time problems. And parents kind of hope and pray that they don't get exposed to content and thinking that oh, it's not, maybe it's not the end of the world or whatever the case is, but it's truly horrific. I remember I had a client once and I won't share too many details, but she was, um, she was just seven and essentially she'd been exposed to pornography online because one of her parents had been looking at it and hadn't closed the browser properly. And she clicked on it and she looked at it and in a seven year old's mind that, invokes curiosity because she's never seen anything like that before. So she wasn't necessarily looking at it from a sexual perspective, but from a curiosity perspective, which led her down a rabbit hole of seeing horrific, violent um, pornography that even had animal abuse in it. And she was traumatized by it. She never told her parents though, because she knew that it wasn't quite right. She knew it was inappropriate. Kids know the words inappropriate. Um, and it was horrific. And I saw her in counselling and, and she showed signs of PTSD. And this was a lovely family that just hadn't really realised that they need to safeguard their child from content like that. And, and, and you said something really important there too, which is something I think that in this era that we live in is absolutely vital. And we need to create a safe space for our kids to come and tell us. Mm -hmm. before it gets too far down the track because it sounds like a very similar story to one that was told to me by a parent with a five-year-old who also already knew not to tell mum and dad mm. that they'd seen that stuff. Now you wonder where they get that idea that they shouldn't see it but even at five mm. and unfortunately because that child didn't go to the parent when they first came across it and had that curiosity as you were saying they went further and further and further down that horrible vortex and was and were exposed to even more things. So as a psychologist, Jordan, how do parents create that safe space for a child to come to them and tell them um, when they've seen something that mm -hmm. is disturbing or weird or funny? Yeah, one of the most, in fact, research actually tells us when kids are exposed to inappropriate content online, they're actually unlikely to tell their parents, even if they have a close relationship with them, which is what we're feeding into in this conversation here. And it's very interesting because when we look at the reasons why, there's two primary reasons, but the first one in particular is that most kids won't tell their parents that they've seen inappropriate content or they've been cyberbullied because they fear that their parents are going to apply consequences, that they're going to yeah. have that device taken away. And parents don't do that as a behavioural repercussion for kids. They do it as a safety mechanism. However, the child loses something within that for telling their child, they're telling their parent that, that they've been exposed to something, which what that does is create a communication barrier. So my advice to parents is you have to have this 30-second conversation with them. You can make this longer if you want, but... It's absolutely essential if children are any age. What you need to do is sit down and have this recipe of a conversation. You need to validate their use first because they need to feel like it's not mum, mum and dad versus child with technology. It's we're all in, we all have the same goal, which is to have fun, but keep safe. So you need to yep. validate their use by saying, you know, I know how much you love playing Minecraft and I know how much you love going on TikTok and I know how much you love other people watching, 
you know, watching other people on YouTube play Minecraft, whatever it is. <laughs> I know how much you love that. It's great. And I'm your mum. I'm your dad. It's my number one job to help you keep safe and happy. So if you ever see anything online that's scary for you or inappropriate or even that you don't understand it or if anyone ever says anything to you that makes you feel upset, even if you've said something back to them that you think I won't like, whatever it is, come and tell me. I won't take your device off you. I'm not going to stop you from playing that game or using that social media app. I'm going to sit down with you and we'll go through it together and I'll try and make it safer for you, no matter what it is. So you're debunking that myth for kids that there's going to, they're going to get told off or they're going to lose something by telling you that. Mm. And then when they come and tell you that, the one thing I say to parents as well is you don't have to react in that moment if you're not sure. Because a lot mm. of parents feel like they have to deal with it yeah, straight away. That's right, but yeah. It, but that's not the case. It might be new for parents as well. And one of the worst things that you can do is deal with it as a reaction and then not deal with it well. If kids mm. have seen pornography, I know a lot of parents panic. Mm. But that, what that does is if, if you're panicking as a parent, you're modelling to your child that there's something to panic about. Yeah. So if you're not ready to talk about it, that's okay. Say, thank you so much for telling me that and I think this is really important. <laughs> I'm going to go away for 30 minutes or however much you need an hour. And I'm going to think really hard about how we're going to deal with this and how I can help you. And then we're going to come back and deal with it. So let them know that poor, you're putting a pin in it for now, but you're going to come back to it. So, and be very calm, not angry and try and think about the way that you're going to respond. The other thing as well, the other reason just very quickly is one of the reasons that, um, Sorry, my doorbell just rang. <laughs> my husband's yelling at me now. Um, one of the other reasons that parent or kids don't tell parents what's going on for them is because of the fix-it reflex. <laughs> it's because of the fix-it reflex. So a lot of kids, when they're dealing with things online, don't want to tell their parents because they know their parents are going to fix it. Whereas kids don't necessarily want it to be fixed. If it's something to do with cyberbullying, they don't want their parents to get involved. So you need to tell your kids as well that I'm going to ask you how you want me to help you, not okay. just decide how I'm going to help you because okay. it's a big barrier, particularly for boys and particularly for teenage boys, mm. that their parents are going to fix it. So we need to hold back the fix-it reflex in this case, sit with a child and say, how would you like me to help you? What would you like me to do? Yeah, so, that's a very good point, Jordan. I can remember that from my own experience with my son who didn't want to tell me something because he knew I would be probably turn into this massive tiger mum who would barrel into what that situation <laughs> and, him, and, and he didn't want that either. And yeah. going back to what you said before about setting those parameters up for a child so that they know that it isn't all going to, you know, fall apart and they're going to have everything taken off them um, is really important as well. And it's one of the things that I think we all try and impress on parents because there's a part mm. as being of being a parent where, and I, I'm sure all of us have done this that are parents at some point where you think you can frighten your ch children into never doing that thing again. So <laughs> yeah. if they've got the f a fear of something happening, yeah. that they will stop doing it. Mm -hmm. And that can work in some cases, whether it's a fear of touching something hot or, or, mm -hmm. or feeling pain as a result of, of doing something you shouldn't do. But mm -hmm. it doesn't always work in all cases. So you're right about keeping calm because there is part of a parent brain that says if I frighten my child so much <laughs> they will never ever attempt to do that thing again and then mm -hmm. it's all over and mm -hmm. of course that that what that does is it closes the door it closes yeah. the door to those conversations 
Oh, exactly right. Exactly right. And it comes to, say, for example, when it comes to sexting or nudes, the amount of parents... She just throws that away. Sexting or nudes. Sexting or nudes. Let's just talk about it. That's, you know, that's what it is. But, But when the amount of times that I've seen parents, when they've found out that their child has sent or received or something has happened, and they say, I'm going to go to the police. Mm-hmm. I'm going to get because I want to, like you said, scare. Shut it down. Let's shut that down. Chi- shut it down and terrify my child so that yep. they'll never, ever do it again. Mm-hmm. You're right. In some t- sometimes that does work. In a lot of times it doesn't. And when we look at research into, because being the, the psychologist that I am, I always like to understand the motivation for someone's behaviour because that's mm-hmm. where we can elicit change. Mm-hmm. Is that why have you done that? And when you look at research as to why a young person sends nudes, one of the main reasons is to receive compliments from somebody else mm-hmm. and the other is to solidify a relationship. Now... The thing is, and the other one is peer pressure, so which we would then deal with that in a different way. But when we think about the fact that I, my child, yes, okay, sexting is a, illegal and there's, there's all these repercussions and it's very scary and I should tell my parent, my kids about that at some point. But if I want to help them not do it again or understand the risk, I need to understand why they're doing it. And if one of the reasons is why they're doing it is because they really think that if I send this nude, I'm going to get this, this guy's going to be my boyfriend or girlfriend or whoever then that's where I have the conversation about it with them. I get on their level and I understand, okay, well, maybe one of the reasons you've sent this is because you really think that he might like you or she might like you. And, and I get that, you know, yeah. I, I know how much you like that person. So keeping that in mind, knowing that you still want to want to speak to him, let's talk about what, what the risk is, what could happen if it got out. And you're still teaching them, but it's not this scary, terrified, you're getting on their level and you're trying to understand. When we're teaching kids, a lot of the time we talk at them and what we should be doing is we should be talking with them. Yeah, which that's exactly in, right. Yeah, which involves asking them questions with, gen, with genuine curiosity, not just mm. asking them questions to an elicit and a certain response and sort of be a bit of a lawyer. It's genuine curiosity there to try to understand why they've done something. And if you get on their level, they are far more willing to get on yours, which is exactly what creates an environment for change. It's Sometimes being scary works. Don't get me wrong. As parents, we all need a toolkit of things that we can yeah, pull out yeah. when we need to. But that's not the be-all and end-all either. Sometimes it's about conversation and being on their level. Yeah, well, that's one of the biggest problems we have is getting children to disclose mm. um, and, to, and to reach out for help when they need it. And, of course, if, if we don't know, we can't help them and mm-hmm. it just can get worse and worse. Yeah. So... Um, We've got a couple of minutes left and I've and my question to you, Jordan, is where do we go from here? So we could have another six to 12 months of being, you know, locked at home and our kids are on this technology and we're on the technology. Um, if you were to give parents some advice about what they um, could be thinking about over the, the next months with kids at home and on technology and everything what do you think um is the most important thing for them to understand about their kids being on technology and and what the repercussions of this new way of living might be for them i think that in terms of technology what parents need to understand is that kids this is a a child space this is a teenager space and they know so much more than what you do and that's actually okay it's not something you can change necessarily but 
But being willing to get involved is really important. We actually know that when we look at research on cyber safety outcomes, one of the best protective factors for kids is having active parents in the digital space. Mm-hmm. Not, it's got nothing to do with your amount of tech skills. It's just about being present. So mm-hmm. allowing your kids, kids to use technology in a really positive way at the moment is great. But being there, supervising, trying to understand is a huge protective factor. I implore parents not to just think that their kids are going to be okay because that's not how it works. Mm-hmm. But being there is really important. And, and one of the things that I recommend for parents is take small steps. You don't need to solve all the issue in one go. It doesn't work like that either. So cut yourself some slack, pour yourself a glass of wine. I always like yeah. that idea. But the thing is our model that we suggest to parents is very, it's quite simple. It's easy to get your head around. And our model for cyber safety in your home is control access, set boundaries and openly communicate. So control access is about making sure that the device is actually safe. And so there's lots of resources available. I know, Leonie, you post a lot of good information about this, but controlling access to certain apps, making sure that access to like bedrooms and things like that is limited at nighttime and things like that. And then setting boundaries is about creating rules online. So what do you expect your child's behaviours to be? having screen time boundaries, knowing that your children are going to push them and break them, but that's okay. That's what kids do, but reinforcing those and then communicating. It's about teaching kids, talking about it all the time. And controlling access, you do it once and hopefully it sort of stands strong. Setting boundaries is just like anything in parenting. You have to kind of reinforce a little bit, but the communicating should be happening all the time and asking kids about what's going on, what do they like about it, what do they not like about it, things like that, and making sure that it's not always negative. We're not always looking at this in yes. a negative light. We're exploring what, what the function of technology is for kids. What do they get out of it? What are their friends' experience, that kind of thing. And, and being really genuine when you're asking kids about this, not, not just sort of imposing your opinion on them because a lot of parents do that and it shuts the kids out completely. Yeah, there's a there's an idea that some parents have that being a digital parent is completely different from any other kind of parenting. And I think it comes out of a vulnerability that they're not 100% sure about mm-hmm. what they should do and how they should do it. So a parents, parents sometimes will say to me, my kid's a genius, he'll get around all those filters that you're suggesting. And I'm saying, you know, actually that's kind of probably very valuable for him as he yeah. grows up if that's the area he gets into. You can't possibly hope to outsmart um, some kids and that's mm-hmm. not what it's about it's about putting up a guardrail so they don't stumble across something you know yeah. any child can can look up on YouTube and find out how to get around a filter if they want to so yeah. you need to treat that pushing of the boundaries the same as you would for any other issue whether it's eating all the chocolate biscuits out of the chocolate biscuit <laughs> jar in one go uh-huh. or, or whatever don't think they're two different animals they are yeah. the same Thing. it's just harder for us to see you know when they've when they've pushed through those boundaries on a device than it would be to see an empty an empty jar where yeah. there was once a you know exactly. a bunch of chocolate biscuits yeah exactly right and and i the analogy that i use leonie because parents say the same thing is that oh what's the point because they're going to get around them first of all showing that you're doing something as a parent is valuable even if in itself because kids need boundaries and they need authority. It's really good developmentally for them. If you've done nothing, it either shows that A, to your child, it shows that A, you don't care, or B, you're really underconfident and therefore they're just going to overcome you anyway. So yeah, doing something, yes. yeah. So doing something, even if kids can get around, it means at least you've shown authority and you've tried. 
But just because they can get around it doesn't mean it's not valuable. The analogy that I use is road rules. Just because there are road rules because they're really important. Does that mean that everyone sticks to them all the time? No, absolutely not. But does that mean just because people don't stick to them all the time that we should just abolish them altogether? No, no. No, <laughs> absolutely not. There's, re there's repercussions if you break the road rules. You don't always get caught, but there are yeah. repercussions if you constantly break the road rules. The same thing should apply in homes. Your kids might get around things sometimes and sometimes it's going to slip parents, past you. It's, be, it's the difficult. I think for a lot of parents, it's because it's difficult. So what they're doing is they're mm -hmm. actually looking for an excuse yeah. to do nothing because it is so much harder. We all grew up with road rules. We know mm -hmm. what those road, yeah. road rules are and we have mm -hmm. police to back us up on those things. Whereas <laughs> yeah. parents often don't have that. You know, they don't have someone else that can... I often get put in that position. I don't know if you, if you do, but sometimes a parent will say, well, you come and talk to my child and tell them <laughs> what needs to happen because they want some kind of a, a police a cyber police person yeah. behind them making the, you know, to, to enforce whatever that boundary is. And mm -hmm. I'll always refuse to do that. And I'll say, mm -hmm. I don't want to disempower you. You have mm -hmm. to find that empowerment within yourself mm -hmm. and be confident in that. It's been yeah. great talking to you, Jordan. It's been lovely talking to you too, Leonie. Yes. And I hope everything is going well for you over there in WA. Oh, thank you. No, it's been good. We've actually just finished building our parent portal, funnily enough, that um, hosts all the information about how, how to set up devices to be safe, what they need to know about screen time in this current time. Um, it's been a mammoth effort, but it's been amazing. So that's what we've been doing in this current time to help support families. Yes. It's been interesting. Yes. Well, where can people find out more about you, Jordan, and if what you do? They want to visit www.ysafe.com.au. They can have a little bit of information about what we're doing for schools and families. They can also have a look at the YSAFE Facebook page is probably a good place to go. There's a lot of good information there for parents as well, which is at YSAFE Solutions. They can see us there. Fantastic. Well, you have a wonderful day, Jordan. It's been fabulous to talk to you. There's lots of really great tips and advice for parents there. No problem. Um, and, yeah, stay healthy. Stay safe, you <laughs> stay <too>. inside, <laughs> wash your hands, all that kind of stuff. Oh, all the fun stuff, yes, all the, <laughs> all of the recommendations. It's all happening. Thanks, Leonie. You're very welcome. See you later.